It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Yeah, well, Rich, today's an interesting day, President's Day. President's Day, isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. I remember when I was a kid, uh, maybe a young man, I don't know how many years ago it was, they had George Washington's birthday and then Abraham Lincoln's birthday. And then somewhere along the way, they said, well, let's just combine everything and make it President's Day. Right. And I think the, when they did that was to move everything to a Monday so that folks could have a three-day weekend. But it, ah. so, And then they said, well, it's not exactly on his birthday then, so let's just call it President's Day. Yeah. But I don't think the federal government ever did that. I think they still call it Washington's birthday. But in popular usage, it's come to be known as President's Day. And it's always on a Monday, so everybody can go hoop it up and have a vacation. Right. It's it's more for everybody to have a three-day weekend than it is to honor the man whose birthday it is. Isn't that interesting? You know, that's you know that's interesting that you bring that up because Christmas is kind of a time of everything else other than honoring the person whose birthday it is, isn't it? Well, yeah, at least they keep it on December 25th, Well, well although that well, particular that, date is fairly that arbitrary. It probably has a history also. Everything has a history except when people— lose sight of the meaning, well, then everything goes a little crazy, doesn't it? Fourth of July is another example of that. A lot of things. Thanksgiving is another example of that. Uh, but today is President's uh, birthday. That's what they call well, it. But President's Day or Washington's birthday. Right, now, now, listen to this here. The, I, the, this was called to my attention this morning. It said, um, America's greatest statesman, did not think that national holidays were merely about family dinners and watching fireworks or getting a three-day weekend. Uh, these occasions, to the contrary, were needed to encourage all citizens together to rise their gaze above the enthrallment of their private lives so as to see or imagine something greater than themselves and worthy of their admiration. You know, Rich, if we have a need in America today, it's things to admire, uh, people to look up to. Uh, we have lost our role models, and they used to be found in football. They used to be found in, in statesmanship. They used to be found in leadership. They used to be found in teachers. And American history. And American histories, and we have lost that. Now, for goodness sakes, look at what you see that's called what Hollywood is giving us as a role model, oh. what, what so many institutions are giving us as role models. What the NFL is giving us as role models for their halftime entertainment. Yeah, let me, let me go on here. Thanksgiving and the 4th of July, first conceived by our founders of America, are illustrative. Said so Thanksgiving, as George Washington writes in his Thanksgiving Day proclamation, should still should instill citizens uh, with gratitude to our nation and our Creator. This is under quotes now. Thereby asking citizens for a moment to acknowledge our frailty, our dependence on the higher powers and the imperfections of our own understanding. Isn't that something? It is. That's he, George Washington, the father of our country. How many children 
were taught that or reminded of that by their teachers last week in anticipation of this day, which is President's birthday. You know, I don't know, because it's been a long time since I've been in school, but I'm concerned about the way that our, our role models are being torn down, and, and we're not respecting them. We're not lifting them up as, as a vehicle to cast our eyes on the Creator from which all of our rights uh, and liberties come. I am come. very, very concerned that the role models of the teachers in our classrooms are not what they used to be. They're not what they used to be. And from what I understand, and I look into this very, very much because young people are very important to me, the language that is permitted in a classroom and in the hallways is deplorable. Uh, the conduct that's permitted, uh, the slur, uh, the language, uh, the attitudes, everything is absolutely the teardown. Of, uh, of what kids should be getting to uplift them and focus them and give them an education when they're in school. So on today's Complete Story program, then, are we going to do what it says here um, to encourage all citizens together to raise their gaze above the enthrallment of their private lives, to see or imagine something greater than themselves and worthy of their admiration on this President's right. Day. Yeah, on this President's Day. I guess that's what I wanted to do is talk about this president that we have in the United States right now. Now, let's face it, Rich. Um, we don't know whether he grew up in Sunday school. I think he probably did not. You know, he had a very unique upraising, um, as did every one of our presidents. I don't know if there was a lack in all of them. I imagine there was. But this president that we have elected, and when I say we the people have elected, uh, through the process of a presidential election, let me just talk now, because there is a reason why the popular vote is not used in the selection process. It is the delegates, isn't it? I have a, I have a whole article on why that's so important that it is the number of delegates. The that Electoral is, College. The Electoral College. You know, I thought at one time, well, I don't know, why don't they just make it the popular vote? There is a very good reason. There is a very good reason for that. And before people start tearing it down, they need to learn it and they need to understand it and they need to see how important it is that every state, every state of our union of United States has representation and has meaning and has a, a, a part in, in the process. That's right. That's just like uh, every state has two senators, whether it's a really populous state or it's a very small state, whether it's California or Rhode Island, they still have two senators yeah. so that each state has a, has a say in what happens. And the same principle is at work in the Electoral College so that you have an election that reflects all of the states. And that's the way it is, and that's the way he won, and that's the way he was elected by we the people. And, of course, that's the way he campaigned. Now, we have been watching this like a hawk. We have been absolutely checking everything. And there is no doubt, let me say it loud and clear, the establishment does not want anyone to come in and drain the swamp, so to speak. Rich, you and I have been going in and out of Washington for a long time. I, much longer than you, and I remember things in Washington, D.C. when the people had freedom of movement and freedom to go here and go there and see this and see that. And then all of a sudden, I remember when 
big government started to grow rapidly. And there was a build, a building boom in Washington. And we would find tax drivers, taxi drivers that would say, well, they just sold their home that they'd had for a long time for tons and tons of money. Then they moved out further and further because this big building boom, this big population explosion in Washington. And I remember I used to think, well, that costs a lot of money. I wonder what they manufacture. I wonder what they produce. I wonder what they grow to feed people or anything else. And you and I both know the answer to that. Nothing other than ruling over the people. And I'll tell you this. It's a woesome thing when that has to be paid for out of the backs of the people from their taxes in order to pay for this unbelievable mammoth, uh, huge, oversized government that Washington, D.C. has become. It's amazing. Now, anyway, getting back to the present president. So we've watched and we've carefully. And my first indication is when he said, I want to be the president of all of the people. I thought, well, good for you. And because all Americans want a president that is interested in them, absolutely to lead them to absolutely be concerned about their uh, desires to have more freedom, to have more opportunity, and everything else. Because for a long time, I have been wondering, why are the inner cities, so to, you know, quote-unquote, being neglected? Why are the people who live in the inner cities being overlooked by the politicians, regardless of the color of the politicians, that has been growing and growing and growing and growing and getting worse and worse and worse. Donald Trump is the first one that I can remember saying, I want to go to the inner cities because I care about them. I want to be their president. I want to go up into Michigan. I want to go up into Wisconsin. I want to find out why many of the products are not being manufactured any longer. Uh, in America. Why don't we start putting America first? You know what? Listen to me now, because in the Bible, a man is, first of all, to take care of his own family. Did you ever think about the analogy of this? The Bible says a man is to take care of his own family. And then after that, you take care of the household of faith. And then after that comes the wider culture. And so if you don't keep America strong and you don't take care of America, and that means American citizens, that doesn't mean just the white ones versus the black ones or the Latinos or anything else. No, no, no. When a person is a member of the family, and that means a citizen, uh, there is a distinction there, folks. Being a member of the family is one thing. And being a stranger or someone who is not part of the family is quite another thing. So a citizen of the United States is what we're talking about. I want to get to my point here in just a moment because I watched um, during the, elect the electoral process, and you did as well, was at the National Cathedral where they had that, that wonderful service. And they had many people praying and speaking. I know David Jeremiah. Right, it was Jeremiah, the day after the uh, inauguration. And David they had, Jeremiah, many of our own broadcasters on Bot Radio Network were there, and, so, and and they spoke. And, you know, they prayed. They, they prayed, and they prayed in Jesus' name, and that was so beautiful. 
They did. And, and they did that uh, under Donald Trump's presidency. They did that. But I watched carefully, and there was, was it a teenager that was singing what? How a blind great? girl. There's a little blind girl that was playing the piano and singing Amazing Grace, and it was, was just it. beautiful. And the camera, I was watching it on C-SPAN, I believe it was, and the camera was kind of watching the, 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 the president and his wife and the family kind of in the second or third row there. And then I noticed when that girl was singing Amazing Grace, was that it? Yeah. Um, the first lady... Melania, am I saying that right? I think so. She she wiped tears from her eyes. I thought, isn't that interesting? She's isn't moved. that interesting? She's moved. And at the end of that song, who was it who started the standing ovation? It was Melania Trump. The first lady. The first lady of the United States was moved to tears and stood and started the standing ovation after that. That was pretty impressive. And I'll tell you something else that's impressive to me, folks. Her putting her child first is impressive. And that little boy, what's his name? Baron. He's, he's 10 years old. And everything I read, she puts Baron's welfare ahead of everything. She wants him to have to know that, and I understand that while they have tons and tons of people hired, she has always been his mother and always been the one that takes care of him as his mother. So good for him and good for her. She's a mother first and then first lady of the nation second. I like that combination. I like that. I think it's admirable. I think there is a role model for all of America to look up to. Another thing about her, she's an immigrant. She came to the United States of America, and she's a citizen. And she came from elsewhere. Came to from em- Slovenia. To embrace America and America's laws and America's constitution. She didn't come with her own Sharia law or her own law from her other Homes, home, home nation, whatever that was, she came to be an American. And I like that. And she came from another country like we all did sometime in our own history. Is that not true? That's right. Well, what happened now just recently in Florida when he had, the President Trump had this huge big gathering of people, where was that in Orlando? In Melbourne, Melbourne, Florida, the big airplane hangar, Dad. It was so exciting. They said they had 9,000 people that were squeezed yeah. into it and thousands more outside that couldn't get in. So, true to form, why he did something unexpected. Why he asked her to open that rally or that meeting that huge, they had 9,000 people that were packed in. I understand thousands more that couldn't get in. Are you listening to me, folks? Thousands more that couldn't get in, but 9,000 people did get in. And so she then, I guess, was asked to open the meeting. Uh, Whatever she wanted to open the meeting, would introduce her husband, who's the president or whatever. And this is how she opened it. Listen, just a minute, folks, just a minute, Mr. Control Room Operator, before you do this. This is how this first lady opened that meeting just, what was it, two days ago. Here it is. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed by thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us these days our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespasses against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what, Rich? A lot of the media, they thought, oh, that's not the way to open a meeting. Honest to goodness, what on earth? That's kind of divisive, and I can just imagine the New York Times and the mainstream media and all of that just using that somehow to beat up on him and his wife, our president and the first lady and their family. You see, the media and Hollywood and uh, and the establishment or whatever, whatever's in the swamp, for goodness sakes, that, that he said he was going to drain, uh, they they don't like him. Uh, they want to destroy him because what he promised and what he's been doing only further irritates them. And one is education and the other is religious liberty and the other is securing our borders. The other is shoring up our economy and all of that uh, over which. Now, there was a judge some time ago who had a huge gathering of immigrants that had applied for citizenship. They were from all countries all over the world, and they were gathered, and he was going to then swear them in as citizens of the United States. See, first of all, you apply for citizenship, and then you do whatever is necessary according to the laws of our country. It's up to us to set the rules And according to whatever the rules are and the laws of our country, when you have done that and completed that, then you go to the swearing-in ceremony, and it really is a ceremony where a judge absolutely takes charge of that moment, isn't it? Well, you got to see one of these swearing-in ceremonies in person, didn't you? I did. And you know what? That was by accident because I was in St. Louis for a different meeting, except I knew this was taking place, and I was there earlier. I wanted to go and sit in the back. Because I had never seen one. Was that at the old courthouse at the bottom of the St. Louis Arch? I I think it was at the old courthouse. It was amazing. But I want the folks to listen to this now because this is what happens when immigrants come and they are approved by our laws and our rules and our standards. And then they become United States citizens. Here it is. I hereby declare on oath. That I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state or sovereignty, of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. 
that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States. When required by the law. That I will perform non-combatant service. In the armed forces of the United States. When required by the law. That I will perform work of national importance. Under civilian direction. When required by the law. And that I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation. Or purpose of evasion. So help me God. I welcome you all to the fabric of American society as American citizens. You may wave that flag. It is true. that. Listen to what he said, Richie. You may wave that flag. It belongs to you. It is yours. It is yours. You may wave that flag. It is yours. Listen, folks. Are you an American citizen? I'm talking to you. Now, if you're not an American citizen and you're a guest or something like that, uh, why then I'm not talking to you. Not that you're not welcome to listen, but today's program is for American citizens to consider what it is to be part of this. Now, uh, is that uh, Johnny Cash? He recorded something about that old flag, that old flag that was given to the citizens. Here it is. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench. An old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole is leaned a little bit. And that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key sat watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell at the Alamo beside the Texas flag, but she waved on, though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville, and she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. 
She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Cause she's been through the fire before. And I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning. We take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright. On second thought, I do like to brag. Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. You know, Rich, uh, I wonder how many colleges have taught some of the information that we're giving and discussing uh, today. Certainly the high schools, the grade schools, the middle schools, my word, they're confused about what bathroom to go to. Honest to Pete. Uh, so this is a shame. America is to be understood. And America is not perfect, but it's our home. It's our possession to have and to use properly. God gave it to us. Well, that's right, Dad. Uh, people are not perfect. And uh, that's one of the geniuses about America is that there are checks and balances in our form of government so that uh, we have the rule of law rather than the rule of a dictator. I'm trying to think of what is it when you go to Washington and you're paid by these big foreign interests, these companies and so on and so forth, the lobbyists. A lobbyist. Most politicians, they get elected because they get the money from special interest groups. They're called lobbyists. And so on and so forth. Here comes Donald Trump and he doesn't belong to anyone. He doesn't belong to anyone. Isn't that interesting? He is what you call a free man because he doesn't have an allegiance uh, underground uh, talking about this, talking about that, and pr protect this, protect that. He says, I want to be the president of all Americans. And he includes everyone in his campaign. And now that he's keeping his promises... They hate him even more. This is what Johnny Cash said. Here it is. You know, in the bayous of Louisiana, cowboy paint, that's what the Cajuns say. And in New York's little Italy, Hey, Bella, That's how they say it, baby. And in the beer halls of Milwaukee, you'll hear the words, Vishen Dasla. And it's Kalindo Pais. That's what you'll hear me say along the border, down by the Rio Grande. You know, there's a lot of ways to say it, and it's a privilege to play it. Because a lot of good people earned it. And this is how I learned it. Oh, beautiful, for spacious guy. For amber waves of grain, for the 
dynasties of the That was Charlie Rich. It wasn't Johnny Cash. I know. But it was good. It's a good song. It talks about America. And uh, there's so many other things. I want to get into what, what Donald Trump means by draining the swamp. I want to talk about his thoughts about education so no one is locked into a zip code, like having to be forced into a plantation for heaven's sake. I want to go into his ideas about creating jobs for all of Americans. I want to go into all of that so that people have an idea what on earth is it that the media is so angry about. I kind of think it gets down to this, what the first lady did in opening his session there in Florida, the Lord's Prayer. And Mike Pence and all of the other cabinet members, they are the real deal. This is Dick Bott with his chapter, The Complete Story is a Public Service, and I'll see you later. (laughs) 